Welcome back to the Burning Phoenix podcast. Hope you're having a great day. We're going to talk today about uh, two topics. We have the third episode of the Exodus series with Jordan Peterson. And then we're also going to talk about the new book from John Strickland called The Age of Nihilism. And there's also going to be a unified topic about this, which is what people mean with divine, the divinity, and how this is understood, and also how it's misunderstood in many cases. So first, the third episode came out yesterday with uh, the Exodus series. Uh, There's another great episode, and we're just going to focus on one argument that Dennis Prager made about that the absence argument about divinity is stronger than the existence argument. So we're going to keep this very short, but... Uh, you have the arguments from, from, for example, Thomas Aquinas, uh, his five arguments for the existence of, of, the, of the divinity through a rational argument. But then what Dennis Prager is pointing to is that if you remove any idea of something, kind of a truth or a reality or a moral structure to, to the universe, to being, to cosmos, then you descend into something very dark and disturbing and chaotic and also like us guinness one of the one of the people around the the table said in one of the first episodes he says without god there is no truth there is only power so this points into the basic uh, a basic understanding of what it what people mean with divinity uh, when they use the word god now, this is a long journey to, uh, to to kind of filter through all the different ways of that this has been understood and described and what people define it as. But if you go back to like what they're talking about in this this roundtable with Jordan Peterson, or you look at Dante, you look at Aquinas, or also back to Exodus three fourteen, you you get to the bottom of it, which is then, I am being. So the divinity in the Jewish tradition is then conceptualized in a sense, but it's not a concept, it's also like an experience, but it is the everything. This is where it splits completely from uh, polytheism and, and the pagan religions, because they have different gods representing different forces and spiritual forces in the universe. But then you can go one level beneath that and just think about the source of all of this, or kind of the the, the big everything of existence, the material universe and the spiritual universe and also the mystery beyond everything we can understand. So that's kind of where the, the Jewish tradition and uh, the, the Torah also, that's what it aims to try to understand and, and try to gradually kind of reveal more and more understanding about how this could be understood for us with our limited capabilities. So all of that was just to say that there's a difference between thinking of divinity as uh, like Zeus, a person, a character, and thinking of it as existence in itself and being in itself. It's very different ways of using your your brain as well to try to ponder and uh, not exactly decipher, but, but wrestle and and just uh, keep working on it to gradually increase an understanding. So that's uh, one of the, the 
main things that stood out from the third episode of the Exodus series was just this uh, way of of uh, clarifying what indirectly what they mean with divinity. And also, if you take that away, then you end up with uh, raw power, for example. And then, if you have no morality, then the argument from the traditions is that then you will end up with the vices, with the destructive forces instead. Okay, so that was uh, all we wanted to say about the third episode. And then we're going to talk about uh, the Age of Nihilism, which is the fourth volume of, uh, of John Strickland's excellent series about 2,000 years of, of the history of Christendom, which is also 2,000 years of European history. So this book was uh, published uh, on November 15th this year. And we talked about earlier the first three books. You have the books about paradise, which is the first millennium, which is then the whole Eastern tradition within uh, how to understand uh, Christendom and understand how they looked at the biblical stories, but also the, the experience of the spiritual, which is in many cases the opposite of what later became the Western tradition. So the first book is about the first millennium. Then the second book is about uh, the next 500 years after that from the schism in 1054 until the Reformation from about 1517. The third book is from 1517 until the Russian Revolution. So then kind of more or less 1900. And now the last book is about the last 120 years or so, which has then kind of descended into a form of nihilism. So then Strickland is trying to, to kind of trace back the roots of why uh, the culture has moved to the place it seems to be in the current moment. And then it opens with two big figures in German history, especially, which is Wagner and Nietzsche. So we're just going to spend a little bit of time of one of the examples he's using. He talks about one of the biggest works of Wagner, the opera called The Ring of the Nibelung. So this is four operas in kind of a cycle, and they are called... Das Rheingold, Die Valkyrie, Siegfried, and the Götterdämmerung. So, we just want to point out why this is so important, because it's uh, a kind of a precursor to Nietzsche's philosophy, and it also shows how Wagner is trying to, to make a story about the complete defeat and transgression of mor moral reality like in, in, in total, and then the defeat of the gods as he saw it. But this points back to the first topic that in some ways Wagner is then not engaging in, uh, in the, the deep old traditional version of understanding divinity. Because you have dynamics of the world and you can t talk about the virtues and the vices as eternal uh, dynamics. That doesn't change just because we try to, to transgress them and then you can have a short-term, maybe positive effect. But trying to make the argument that you transgress these values for good is to not understand properly what it meant in the first place. At least that's how we see it here and then that's the argument we're going to try to make now. So, uh, Wagner, in the story... Just going to jump to the last part and read an excerpt from, from Strickland's book here. You have the character of Siegfried, and he is a symbol of transgression, moral transgression in itself, as he is the child of two siblings uh, having a child. So it's just like this incestuous uh, conception of 
the, the character, which then makes him um, an example and a symbol of moral transgression. So he is then fearless and he, through a series of events, goes up to uh, the big final clash with the king of the gods, which is then Wotan, which is from the, the Norse mythology, uh, Odin or Udin, which is then Woden, which is also the name of Wednesday, Wodin's Day. So the final kind of cataclysmic clash between these two figures is about morality in itself, is about the human will overcoming the power of the gods. So we're going to read about half a page now. Now Wotan applies his final test of the hero's fearlessness. So Wotan had, has made one of his daughters stripped her of divinity and made her kind of a maiden. That's kind of the, the, the final goal of a hero, which could be the one who transgresses the power of the gods. And then she then as a maiden, you could see it partly as kind of uh, the full potential again, which is often kind of the, the maiden or the virgin symbol as the totality of potential. So Woden says, If you do not fear the fire, then my spear must bar your way. My hand still holds the symbol of sovereignty. This shaft once shattered the sword you bear. Once again then, let it break on the eternal spear. So this is a reference to that Woden killed the father of this main uh, character of Siegfried. And he's now reminding Siegfried of that. And the eternal spear is then again the symbol of moral structure in itself. Realizing his adversary was once responsible for the betrayal and death of his father, Sigmund, Siegfried becomes enraged and flourishes the reforged Northen, which is the sword. Lunging toward Wotan, he strikes the eternal spear raised in opposition. The blow shatters the spear, and that which bore the divinely ordained moral law for man now lies broken at Siegfried's feet. Lightning strikes, only one of two times in the opera, indicating the composer's emphasis on the event. The king of the gods, looking utterly broken, bounds down before the hero to gather up the pieces of the spear and concedes, Forward then, I cannot stop you. The orchestra erupts in the heroic melodies of Siegfried's victory. As he passes through the surging flames, the music shifts into the chromaticism for which the revolutionary composer is most famous, defying the tonal regulations of four centuries of Western melody and setting it on a totally new course. Approaching the maiden lying asleep on the rock, Siegfried rouses her with a kiss and lays claim to her. So that is the final moment, and this is where you could see this as the individual human being uh, defeating the gods, defeating the old and these moral structure that was seen as, as kind of suppressive and, and uh, cons constraining and, <laughs> and um, being a barrier to our total freedom as human beings. Uh, and then also then uh, winning the maiden as then kind of having the full potential then in our own grasps as human beings. And it's also nice here to note that the, the chromaticism is when you use music, but then you start using tones that are not in the scale of the key you're playing in, that is called chroma chromaticism. And that is a way of showing that suddenly 
Wagner as a as a composer is kind of breaking the old laws of how we should make music and he's starting to put notes in that shouldn't be there but it still kind of sounds uh, sounds good and then he shows that we can transgress again so the reason why this is important is also because this influences Nietzsche very very massively in in terms of the ideas of of defeating the gods or defeating God himself as Nietzsche will will famously <laughs> phrase just that God is dead uh, but again that is both what Wagner and Nietzsche are doing is like they they want to talk about the total transgression of all moral boundaries and then especially then seen as given by the gods but it's also in some ways a complete misunderstanding of what divine morals are supposed to express as just being like an effort to understand the 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 real the, the fabric of reality and the moral dynamics that are just there and it's also as a final point here very interesting to look at this through through the lens of the brain hemispheres and McGilchrist's work because all of this these things that are expressed by Wagner and Nietzsche is pure left brain left hemisphere uh, kind of uh, full of characteristic characteristics and the, the nature of the left brain in terms of uh, transgressing morals, having full control, creating a system that it's seen to have the total freedom of realities in itself, and then having a, a huge sense of power and control. And it's also a, a theme in the opening of the book here from Strickland that how, uh, especially Wagner is obsessed by power and domination. So you can see this as, as a kind of a horrifying representation and expression of of, uh, of an un, un, uh, unrestricted left brain uh, way of, of creating stories and also music in this case so that's how this is also tied into it so that's what we wanted to talk about in this episode so the exodus 3 episodes in um, jordan peterson series and then the new book from john strickland and finally also a quick shout out to a friend of ours um Sean Ekman, he has put up, he has a, a YouTube channel, it's called Mythos and Logos, uh, which, with many great videos about all different sorts of mythologies and symbolism, and he's also now started a new uh, substack, which is called mythicjourneys.substack.com, which is highly recommended, and it starts out looking into Jung and archetypes and different ways of kind of active imagination as a portal into exploring your own archetypes and also the collective unconscious and the ways of connecting mythology and psychology and symbolism together. So with that, hope some of this was interesting and maybe also inspiring and hope you're having a great day. And as always, thanks so much for tuning in and see you again in the next episode. Mm-hmm.